uh, back at it. Hey everybody, before we get started on the episode, I had some problems with my microphone, I realized, after I recorded with Colby. So again, I apologize for the quality of my voice. Uh, Colby sounds much better per usual, but uh, I will try to correct those issues in the future. Again, apologies for the microphone issues. Without further ado, let's get to the episode. We are back at it like it's the year 2009. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined by Colby Powell for the Pistols Firing Podcast. Colby, I've waited a long time to say this, but Oklahoma State is advancing in the NCAA tournament since 2009. What were you doing in 2009? Carson, this is the first time in my adult life that Oklahoma State has won a tournament game. I was in my second semester of my sophomore year of high school whenever uh, this all came about. Let's see, I would have been 16 years old at the time. So it, uh, boy, it felt good, good, good last night when they closed out Liberty. You're making me feel really old because I was in my first... (laughs) year or two of television at channel four i watched byron eton beat tennessee at the tv station and just thought yeah this is what osu does they make the tournament they win a game they almost beat the one seed the next round against pitt so that it's crazy how long it's been colby and i want to talk so much about the game against liberty and, and everything that took place but first let's hear from chris's university spirit your one-stop cowboy shop be sure to shop at chris university spirit Com. And Barry Trammell wrote a great article on Mike Boynton calling him a home run hire. I think the results at this point don't say that, don't spell that out, but I think just his overall Q rating, his overall approval rating would say that. And Dustin McDonald, who owns Chris's University Spirit, was quoted in the story. So shout out to Dustin. He said, as an avid fan of Oklahoma State uh, in an Oklahoma State business, we absolutely love Mike Boynton. He embraces Oklahoma State tradition. He loves the kids, the coaches. He loves the fans even more. He's really embraced the student body. He's just a good dude. That's about the best way to put it. So shout out to Dustin. We love the guys over at Chris University Spirit. And uh, things are starting to open back up with vaccines and everything. And I think baseball, that O'Bright Stadium will be full here come you know, midpoint of the season. So uh, we appreciate Chris's sponsoring the pod. But without further ado, Colby, uh, Liberty, we, we talked a lot about it. Everyone nationwide knew it was a tough draw. I mean, they're not your typical 13 seed as Liberty. And... Boy, OSU had their hands full in the first half. This was this game was a recipe for an upset. Cade Cunningham, 0-5 in the first half, and Liberty Colby was really, really dictating the pace and flow of the game in the first half. Yeah, and I kind of had a different take on it than a lot of people did. I saw a lot of people on Twitter talking about, you, you know, Oklahoma State has played poorly. I really like the spot that they're in because it seems like they'll play better in the second half. I didn't have the feeling that they were going to be able to do a ton better in the second half. I still thought that they'd probably squeak it out, but I didn't think that they'd be, you know, last two minutes coasting to a, a nine-point lead. I thought it would c- come down much more to last team with the ball has a chance to win because they just did not play well in that first half. And what was even more concerning than the fact that it just didn't seem like they were playing well, it seemed like they were playing Liberty's game. That's what we talked about last week. If you were to, and we're not talking about size and athleticism and skill, we're talking about style. If you were to, to design a style that it seems like would be built to beat Oklahoma State. It's exactly what Liberty did in the first half. They slowed things down to a complete halt. They essentially grabbed Cade's left arm, drug him to the ground, and drew his second foul on him, which sent him to the bench with six and a half minutes to go. It was a a whistle fest. Nobody was shooting. It was slow. It was ugly. It's exactly what Liberty wanted. So my confidence level was somewhat low going into the second half, and it shouldn't have been because Carson, one thing that we have learned about this team over the last two months, Carson, they're kind of predictable. They play with their food for about 35 minutes, and then it's time to eat. And then they, they go to work, and they start eating with about five minutes left. Cade, Avery, Rondell got in the action late. Ice was great yesterday handling the ball. Uh, Caleb, M.A., I'm sure I'm forgetting people, but it was it was a team effort. And, uh, again, they just they played with their food for a while, and when it was time to win the basketball game, they went and won the basketball game. It's, I, I'm glad you brought that up because that was what I was thinking in the second half when they started to – finally pull away a little bit it's like this is kind of what they do they right like Cade doesn't do much in the first half we've seen this script we've seen this movie before Cade kind of less than assertive in the first half uh, getting double team turning it over Avery Anderson kind of saving the day I want to talk a lot about him throughout this show but you're right I 
I didn't think I was kind of with you. I did not think they were going to be able to turn it around in the second half because Liberty was running that, that pack line defense. And I think that's the number one way to beat Oklahoma state is if you have some size, it'll help this strategy, but just pack the paint and make them shoot threes. I mean, OSU was, you know, what, two of 15, something like that from three point line on the full box score as we're talking, but they're, they're just not a good outside shooting team besides Avery Anderson pull-ups and Cade pull-ups, I don't trust anyone on this team to hit a shot. Even Farron Flavors, who's, who's broadcasted as the, the three-point shooter, I think he's one of the few people capable of hitting a three. But I just didn't see any strategy working out for them in the second half based on their lack of outside shooting. So it was – the chips were really against them, Colby. And I, I do think it was a brilliant move by Mike Boyne to – it almost looked like he said, guys, red light, no one shooting from the outside. We're going to get it to Cade. He's going to post up in the paint. We're going to get to M.A. Moncrief in the paint, use his size. We're, we're likely he's going to drive in the paint. They basically used their athleticism and length on the offensive end, and Liberty had no answers. They started fouling, and that really changed the entire magnitude and shifted the entire kind of scope of the game. Yeah, I didn't think that Oklahoma State I, – I knew that they could play better, but I, I didn't – I wasn't prepared for them to fully flip the style of basketball that we were going to see in the second half for those 20 minutes. And I tell you what, at the under-16 timeout in the second half, that's when I felt pretty good about Oklahoma State because Oklahoma State was in the bonus at the under-16 timeout, which never happens. Uh, by the way, Oklahoma State shot three for 15 from three, which is 20%, obviously not good. Uh, they did shoot a great percentage from the free throw line. This is, of course, sarcasm, but it was a nice 69% from the line for Oklahoma State, and they shot 29 free throws to Liberty's 13. And that just goes back to that aggressive strategy in the second half, and that's coaching. Carson, that is coaching. They they did not play their game in the first half. They were out of sorts. They didn't look comfortable. They looked tight. They looked like they were pressing. They looked like they were getting frustrated that nothing that they normally do that works was working. And I don't know what Mike Boynton said at halftime, but they, they came out in the second half. They looked calm. They looked composed. They, they were getting to the free throw line at will. Uh, they were knocking them down a much better in the second half. Isaac likely went five for seven in that game from the free throw line. Isaac likely going five for seven from the free throw line. That's a big deal. He has some big free throws. Moncrief, again, not great, but four for seven. You know, it's it's not like he shot two for nine or something from the free throw line. So I uh, 69% of the team isn't great. But when you consider that two of your more poor free throw shooters in Moncrief and likely took half your team's free throws, I think that you can live with that. So I was over the moon with the brand of basketball that they played in the second half because that's that's coaching. And that shows you that Mike Boynton went in and in whatever amount of time he had, 10 minutes, he basically got his team in the right state to go out and play the brand of basketball they needed to play to beat that particular opponent yesterday. And that is what was so encouraging to me that they were able to completely flip the switch from first half to second half. Yeah, and I think what Mike saw was Liberty was not capable of guarding their athletes without fouling. And he said, guys, just go at them. They're going to foul you. They cannot stay in front of you. They certainly can't block your shots with your length. And I think they play bully basketball. They play bully ball in the second half. Just get in the paint, beat them up. And it was a, it was a brilliant shift in strategy from Mike Boyden. But, Colby, I, I think we'd be talking about a loss here today if it wasn't for Avery Anderson's continued just – emergence into a star I mean they were OSU was cooked in the first half and Anderson basically took over scored 14 in the first half scored 14 was 21 in the first half when they had to have it Cade as I said was checked out he was in foul trouble was getting nothing going on on the offensive end and you know Mike Boynton called him the most improved player in the country and I, I certainly don't know if that's true but I will say this he is emerging as the face of the franchise. And look, Kate Cunningham, we all know, is the best player on this team. No one disputes that. But if Kate Cunningham was as aggressive and as assertive as Avery Anderson, he might score 30 a game. Because I think Kate's the best player. Avery Anderson's the alpha dog on this team. He is fearless. And he doesn't just disappear for five, ten-minute stretches like Kate sometimes does in the first half. And I, I just cannot be more impressed with Avery Anderson, and it's just further proof, Colby, that this this program is going to be just fine with Avery Anderson running the show next year without Kate Cunningham. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, you're losing a lot with Kate. You're losing the number one pick in the draft. Course, and Kate, yeah. clearly, Kate clearly didn't have it in the first half last night. He just didn't. I mean, he, he, he was chugging up a few threes. They weren't going in. He didn't feel like he could get to the basket. And I think, I think even early in the second half, once he had picked up that second foul in such a ridiculous fashion, I think it made him a little gun shy with the way the game was being officiated. Cause he's like, man, if I, if I can't post up, I mean, the guy drug me to the ground and they, they whistled it on me. If I can't post up, I mean, that hurts his game significantly. So I thought he was just a little out of sorts in that game yesterday, even though he came up majorly clutch in the last few minutes, just as we would expect. But Avery Anderson, uh, again, Carson, there are so many teams in college basketball. I, I'm not Jay Billis. I don't claim to watch enough college basketball all over the country that I know who the most improved player in the country is. But I would challenge anybody to present me with a player who's more improved than Avery Anderson. Avery Anderson a year ago was just a guy that was a, a scorer in high school, and we were hoping that he could work out at this level. We didn't have high expectations for Avery Anderson coming into the season. We didn't think that if Cade got in foul trouble in the NCAA tournament, that Avery Anderson was going to put the team on his back and keep them in a close game that they needed to be in. And he was ready for that moment yesterday. I mean, he's a mid-range killer. I mean, he was pulling up from 15, 16, 17, 18 feet and just knocking them down, keeping Oklahoma State in the game. So Avery is, man, I cannot be more impressed with Avery. And what I like about Avery and what I like about this team's whole dynamic is Avery yesterday was having a great day and Avery was awesome. And when Oklahoma State needed him to have the ball in his hand and make it happen, he made it happen. And when Oklahoma State needed him to step aside because they decided to have Cade bring it up the last few minutes and make plays and make free throws, Avery's okay with that. He's like, look, I get it. He's the number one pick in the NBA draft. Also, he hasn't let us down all year in the last five minutes. Why would he start now? So it's like, I, I don't feel like any one guy, Cade, Avery, whatever the case may be, I don't feel like any one guy is like, you know, wants to be the guy to do it at every moment. No, you get your time. I get my time. We all get our time, and it comes together in what has turned into a beautiful team game that is so, so, so much fun to watch. Yeah, and I do want to get to Cade. Cade certainly showed up in this game. I don't mean to say he was a no-show because we all know what he did, did late in the game. And just real quick to reiterate – kind of Mike Boynton's strategy, uh, Richie McKay, the coach of, of Liberty, said the game was extremely physical, and you just look at those two stats, the turnovers and how many free throw attempts they had. They really just put their head down, they drove it, and they, init and they initiated to where they were the aggressor, and we obviously got in foul trouble. I think that that's kind of what we were talking about with the, the mindset change and the, and the halftime change by Mike Boynton. And to, to your point, too, about the team basketball, Colby, I think the, the team defense – really won this game as well. They forced a season-high 18 turnovers out of Liberty. Uh, they scored 18 points off those mistakes. That was a absolutely critical part of this basketball game. They also out-rebounded them by one, which was big late. And uh, I think we're, we've seen this, this kind of evolution of this team, Colby, taking shape in terms of their identity. And I think one of those identities, obviously it's Cade and, and Avery, what they can do on the offensive end. But it's just – and again, I'm going to go back to Mike Boyne's introductory press conference. He said, I want long, lengthy, rangy athletes, and we're going to guard your face off. And that's exactly the identity they had on the defensive inning against Liberty. And that's, that's really how they're able to get out in transition because that's, that was the only way they're going to speed the game up, Colby, is, is getting rebounds out in transition or getting turnovers out in transition. And they did a wonderful job of that. Yeah, they did. I'm glad that you brought up Liberty's turnovers because Liberty was top five in the country in terms of fewest turnovers per game. They averaged about seven turnovers. No, pardon me. They averaged about nine turnovers per game. And they hit that number, Carson, if I'm not mistaken, in the first half. Their season average for turnovers. And why do you think that is? It's because Liberty has been playing against teams all year that don't have a bunch of length defensively. Passing lanes in whatever conference Liberty plays in, I promise, are a lot bigger than passing lanes against Oklahoma State. Liberty, they had real problems taking care of the ball. And I, I was even nervous in that first half because Oklahoma State turned it over a few times early. But then Liberty kept turning it over. And I'm like, I, I don't know if they're going to keep doing this, but if they do, Oklahoma State's in a good position because uh, Liberty was not prepared at all for the length and the athleticism of Oklahoma State. And, and like you said, not just with Oklahoma State scoring, but with Oklahoma State defending. Rondell, uh, man, I can't remember exactly how much time was left in the game, but it was, I mean, it's when the game was very much hanging in the balance and Rondell reaches out, backhands that pass, takes it the other way and lays it up and in. It's just so, so many plays throughout the course 
of the game that look huge whenever you look back on them. And I, I tell you what, Carson, they had all that length and athleticism. They didn't have Bryce Williams. Bryce Williams is still sick, has some freaking stomach bug that he picked up at the Big 12 tournament, not COVID-related whatsoever, obviously, or he wouldn't have been on the bench yesterday. He's been getting tested all week. It is not COVID-related. Uh, Boynton said he first practiced on Wednesday. He didn't play yesterday. Maybe he'll be feeling well enough to play tomorrow against Iowa State, or pardon me, Oregon State. Uh, but I think what they miss most from Bryce Carson is just his spacing. We talked about the three for 15 from three. It's not only that, it, it's the spacing that Oklahoma State gets when Bryce is out there because you always have to respect the fact that he can pull it and he can knock it down. So uh, when they add him back into the equation, that's even more length and athleticism on defense, and it's another shooter on offense. So hopefully he's back sooner rather than later. Yeah, I mean, that's just another freak athlete. I mean, I've talked about how he's – he just kind of glides in the air a lot like Avery Anderson does when he's driving to the hoop. And um, he's certainly a guy that can hit an outside shot too. He's been, he's been a little cold from three lately, but yeah, you certainly want Bryce Williams out there. He's been one of their more consistent players all season. And they held at Liberty to 37 and percent shooting for the game. They shot just 36% in the second half. They really, really put the clamps down on them. And so that leads me to, and before I get to Cade Cunningham kind of closing the show, I think it's important to note, I talked about Avery. M.A. Moncrief had nine points, nine rebounds, according to the box score. I thought he had 10. I, thought he was just, I guess he was just sort of a double-double. But he had nine points, uh, nine rebounds. Between Moncrief and Anderson and, and Rondell Walker, who you mentioned, this is, this is what Mike Boynton said he was going to do, is just pack on recruiting class on top of recruiting class. And he talked a lot about that in his post-game presser about how it, this is why he recruits the way he does for, for guys like Avery Anderson to step up the way he did, like guys like Moncrief to really step up like he did. Because I, I don't know about you, Colby. I thought Moncrief was probably, you know, I thought Anderson kept them in it. I thought Moncrief got them the lead for good in the second half. How active he was on the offensive boards. He had, let's see here, he had four offensive rebounds. <laughs> he only had 12 as a team. So, you know, he had, he had the majority of them there. And I thought he really swung the game with his presence inside. Yeah, I thought in the first half, M.A. was a little bit out of control. I thought he kind of played like a freshman being in the tournament for the first time. And then I thought that he just really settled in. And, and it seemed like the game slowed down for him a little bit in the second half. And he started to play more under control. And that's the M.A. that you like to see because he was really good in that second half. And, you know, he all throughout the season, he sneaks up on you with his stat lines where he approaches double doubles all the time. And you don't realize how much he's doing for Oklahoma State on the glass because that's, you know, what, what, what do you see when you watch a game? You see guys scoring. That, that's what you see. Avery scoring. Awesome. Cade starts scoring late. Awesome. You don't see Matthew Alexander Moncrief, or you, or you don't really clock it as much, that he's down there doing all the dirty work. All the dirty work. And Caleb wasn't able to play as many minutes as he probably would have liked. He got himself in foul trouble, which a couple of the fouls that he picked up were just weak, weak, weak hand checks where his, his guy was backing him down in the post and they blew a whistle. Uh, in, in the end, if you look at the whole grand scheme of things for 40 minutes, I think Oklahoma State got the better whistle. But I do think that there were a couple of glaringly, obviously, misses that went against Oklahoma State. Um, so I know I'm, I'm cutting into our, our MA talk here, and he was unbelievable. He was great, and I, I'm glad he's a cowboy. Um, but Carson, I, I thought that, you know, when you shoot 29 free throws and the other team shoots 13, it's really hard to complain about the officials. But I thought the two absolute worst calls of the game were the one where the guy pulls Cade down and they review it and still get it wrong. To me, that's probably the worst call of the year because they reviewed it. They saw that the guy grabbed his arm and pulled him down and they still upheld it. So that one was really bad. And then the second half, they called a foul on Isaac Likely whenever Rondell Walker was chasing down a loose ball. Some guy, for, some guy for Liberty. I mean, you can watch the replay. He dove for the ball and they just called a foul on ice because this guy hit the floor. So I thought those were the two worst calls of the game. But overall, I thought Oklahoma State got a good whistle, especially in the second half. What do you think about the officiating? Terrible, per usual. And again, I, I don't think it's necessarily, you know, tinfoil hat time or that the officials hate OSU. I just think it's incompetence. I, don't, I think they just blow the whistle and in, in the moment kind of make up what they're going to call. Like that, that Isaac Likely call to me was the perfect example of if you just fall down, they feel like they have to blow the whistle. And, and as they blow, it's like, well, who was it? Okay, you, 13, foul on you. That guy fell. 
Well, he didn't even touch him. The guy was just diving for the basketball. And so, and look, I, I thought it was bad both ways throughout the game. I thought, I thought Rondell Walker just, poor Rondell Walker cannot get a call. Did you notice how many times he was just like straight up and, and could not get the benefit of the doubt from the officials? I think he was just, I noticed. he just, he was losing all of his patience and I was with him as well. So I, it was poorly officiated, but again, if, if people just want to cite free throw totals and I, that's why I don't ever, I do when it's, when it's just agreed as touch fouls, but OSU really earned the disparity. And that's why the Liberty coach basically acknowledged their strategy of driving into the paint with, with, you know, reckless abandon. And that's how Cade kept getting fouls. It's just, he was outwitting them with his post moves and his, you know, his turnarounds. But uh, I thought it was bad, Colby. It, it was just, we don't know what a charge is. They, they want to call too many charges. I saw a national writer tweeting about guys in the, in the Winthrop game. Not every call is a charge. So I thought it was bad. But what do you think? Yeah, both ways. yeah, I mean, I thought that uh, just across the board yesterday, because I watched 12 hours of college basketball, I didn't turn it off from start to finish. And first off, you're right. College officials are so charge happy. And I think we've gotten more used to watching the NBA where you almost never see guys take charges because, I mean, let's be honest. A lot of those guys are making nine figures to play basketball. So, A, eh, we don't need to take a charge. That possession in the middle of the second quarter isn't really worth it. It's 48-minute game. we got plenty of time. And second, um, the NBA guys, they just don't call charges as much. They call blocks more often than they call charges. For it to be a charge in the NBA, it has to be blatantly obvious that it's a charge. If it's 50-50, it goes block. And it feels to me like if it's 60-40 that it might be a block in college basketball, they go charge. If you're going to come in the lane, they're like, you better come in under control. And if there's somebody in front of you, you better stop. So that's really the only thing that drives me nuts i shouldn't say the only thing there there are a lot of things that drive me nuts about college basketball officiating but the main thing is the charges and you know i thought maybe oklahoma state was getting a bad whistle on charges and then i watched the tournament all day yesterday and everybody got a bad whistle on charges stop calling so many charges golly we got to even it out a little bit just it's so hard to watch and i think it's on i think it's just more fun for them to point the other way it's like a look at me moment i don't know it's it's bad i I think more frustrating for me and i think liberty got a few of these is i mentioned touch fouls when the guy at mid-court the the official who's standing at mid-court blows his whistle for something that's happening you know basically on the block below the rim as it's like a quick touch foul like there's an official under the basket right there and he's not calling anything and you are. And Liberty got a few of those as well. And I, that to me is almost more frustrating. Cause at least a bang, bang block charge, like something has to be called typically there that I can see it. It's when they're just bored at mid court calling something 25 feet away. That just drives me, drives me nuts. So, but I thought there was a great picture. I just tweeted this out. If you want to go to my Twitter account at uh, KOCO Carson, uh, the, the, Front page of the sports page of the Oklahoman, Jeff Patterson tweeted this out. There's a great picture of M.A. Moncrief blocking a shot from a Liberty player. His his arm looks like it's about 12 feet long. And I just tweeted, like, this is a, this picture is a perfect summation of why Oklahoma State ultimately beat Liberty. Just their length and their athleticism was just overwhelming for a school like Liberty. That's why I thought Tennessee would have a great chance against Oklahoma State. They, they got athletes, but... That, that picture right there sums it up for me, Colby. That, that's, that's why they won right there. That is such a good picture. And I remember exactly when he did that, because uh, I turned to my wife and I was like, wow, a volleyball game just broke out. I mean, that was a spike from M.A. Moncrief. It, he spiked it so hard that he actually tried to go chase it down. You know, he's got those those young legs. He's just a true freshman. He spiked it, and then he ran after it to go get it like it's an open gym at the Y, and uh, he couldn't even chase it down. It rolled. It got too far away from him because he spiked it so hard. But you're right. That's That was the difference. Oklahoma State's length, Oklahoma State's athleticism. Uh, Liberty wanted no part of it. I love that headline, too, dousing flames. That was good. I just <laughs> – that was such a bad matchup for Oklahoma state yesterday and for them to do what they did. I, I was so impressed and I don't necessarily, I don't want to get into this today. I want to do this after the season's over when I've had time to, to sleep on it and rest on it because I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment, but at some point I would like to rank where this team ranks for us just personally in terms of all time favorite teams to watch at Oklahoma state, because they're, they're climbing the list pretty rapidly uh, with what they're doing. And again, to me, it just comes down to the predictability of When's the last time, Carson, that we watched an Oklahoma State team, any sport, that the game's tied with five minutes left and you just feel in your gut like, yeah, they're going to win? 
they're going to win. I and know. It's crazy. It, it's so it's, weird. It's crazy to think about, too, because it was the worst feeling in the world when they got in those situations early in the season because they always lost. I mean, they lost that game against West Virginia and TCU earlier that they both dropped. I mean, their win percentage was in, like, the 90th percentile. Like, those games were, like, harder to lose uh, than win, really, That's how, how big of the leads they had. So, they're, they're certainly up there from the entertainment factor. Obviously, the way Cade closed the game, I want to touch on that next. But just, like, it felt, it felt like some of Eddie's teams, they were kind of just smarter and played tougher than a lot of the teams. They didn't necessarily have the NBA-style athletes. I think that's, that's kind of a, a hallmark of Eddie's team. You know, he'd get junior college guys in. And, uh, you know, obviously, the 0-4 team was just freaking them freaks. But, but even, like, the, the 95 Final Four team, they weren't just – Full of NBA roster players. I mean, besides big country. So I, I think this is more of a new age NBA style basketball team. So yeah, they're, they're certainly entertaining. You know, Bryce Williams, has, I mean, just in the last week, they had a windmill dunk to beat Baylor, the number one team in the country. I mean, <laughs> although John Higgins ruined it, but you know, they, they've certainly been thoroughly entertaining. But, shame on you, John Higgins. Shame on you. Yeah, that's, that's a shame. Is John Higgins uh, officiating the NCAA tournament? Surely he is. He got. He's going to be doing the Final Four. He's on oh. the main team. Good, good. I was hoping the Final Four would be fun, so it's good yeah. to hear that it won't be. Exactly. Yeah. So we, we talked about Cade, and I'm sure people that were watching this game, Colby, were like, this guy is supposed to be, like, pulling a Carmelo Anthony this year and going to the Final Four? Like, what? Where, he's supposed to be the number one pick? What is this? He didn't even – I barely even noticed him out there. I'm sure a lot of people that – haven't been able to watch Cade this year. We're thinking that, but this is kind of what we've seen throughout his season. Is first halves are a little rough. He has to adjust to what teams are doing to him, and he just explodes. Colby. I mean, he he scored at one point nine straight points there late in the game, and he hit that big three and stared down the fan that was giving him some grief. But uh, you know, Mike Boynton was asked after the game, "Is is Cade your your Mariano Rivera since since Mike's from New York and a big Yankees fan?" He's like. He's got to win more games first before I'm going to start going on Mariano Rivera. He's more, he's more Jeter just with his calmness and coolness in, in the clutch. So that, I thought that was a pretty good way to put it. He was, he was awesome to, to slam the door shut on Liberty. Yeah, he was. And, you know, that first half, he just didn't have it. And I think everybody expects Cade to be LeBron, especially national people who haven't watched him all year. They just expect him to hit every shot, to never miss anything, to put the team on his back every game for 40 minutes. I mean, he's human. He's going to have off nights. Last night, it was an off night. He didn't shoot the ball that well. He was, let's see, three for 14 from the field is what Cade Cunningham was. But guess what? When his team needed him to win the game, it was 62-56. He comes down on the left wing, step back three, right in the kid's eye, makes it. Also, I want to point out, he finished the game seven for nine from the free throw line. He was one for three from the line with about five minutes left in the game, and he made his final six free throws late in that game. And we've seen it time and time again all year long. We saw it against OU. Uh, we saw it at various times throughout the year against Baylor. Uh, we see Cade. He does not miss free throws in the last five minutes of the game. I would love – I don't even know who would be able to dive into this research or how you would even do it. I would love to know his free throw shooting percentage in the last five minutes of the game. I'm sure it's not 100, but I seriously doubt that it's south of 90. It feels like every free throw is going in. And in the NCAA tournament, you need a guy who's always going to have his ball, the ball in his hands in the last five minutes, who you know is going to make all the free throws, and Cade is that guy. So was last night a great game from Cade? No, it wasn't. He was 3 of 14 from the floor. Uh, he turned the ball over. He got frustrated, I thought, in the first half. But you know what? When it was time to make some shots, make some free throws, make plays to win the game, he did it. And that's all you can ask from a superstar on a night whenever he clearly didn't have it. Yeah, I would guess his percentage is about like 96% or 98. If he's missed one, it's probably one in the last five minutes. They all come earlier in the games, all his free throw misses. And then late, it's like, I, I don't know, this tunnel vision, this laser focus, he does not miss late in the game from the line. Yeah. No, he, he was great down the stretch and, and really, really slammed the door shut, which, again, golden opportunity here for Oklahoma State. Colby, they got, a, they got a horrible draw from the tournament committee, but uh, ball don't lie. Tennessee loses. Now Oklahoma State, all that's standing in their way between the Sweet 16 is, is Oregon State. 
who went 18 and 12 this year. They were sixth in the Pac-12, really had to make a run late just to get into the tournament. Did they win the Pac-12 tournament? Is that how they got in? It's how they got in. They went on a miracle yeah. streak. They were not going to be in. Let me – I was looking at their stats. Let me pull up their schedule and see what their regular season record was. So, even winning – so, they won, let's see, three games in three days against UCLA, Oregon, and Colorado, all three tournament teams. So, they've now beaten four tournament teams in a row if you count uh, – if you count what they did against Tennessee yesterday, which obviously you should, and they still finished the season 17 and 12, 10 and 10 in conference. And it's weird because at one point they were 11 and 11 on the season, 11 and 11 on the season, seven and nine in conference. They won six of their last seven in conference. Only loss was to Oregon, who's a seven seed in the tournament or a 10 seed, whatever seed they are. And then they beat Tennessee. So this is a team that's won seven of eight. So yes, Probably a better matchup and probably not getting as skilled of a team as Tennessee, but you're getting a hot, hot, hot team right now in Oregon State. So this by no means I don't think will be a cakewalk for the Cowboys. No, absolutely not. I mean, beware of the the hot team in March. We've seen this before where a 12 seed who catches fire at the end of the season not only wins the first round game, but makes the Sweet 16. So I I don't think they can take them lightly. They are from a power five school. It's not like a, a Moorhead state or somebody has, has advanced and they've got good players. And, uh, but again, I, I think it's a, a great opportunity for Oklahoma state. Now, Rick Barnes does what Rick Barnes does, has a great regular season and doesn't quite get it done. The big dance. So Tennessee going home, somebody, I can't find it. I wish I would have liked the tweet. Somebody picked Tennessee to go to the final four, some national writer. And I, I can't find it. I know Kenny Smith did as well, but. Yikes. I wanted a freezing cold take them so bad last night. I couldn't like half the OSU first half. I was trying to find who tweeted that out, but I digress. But all that's standing in their way, Colby, Oregon State, and then perhaps Brad Underwood from um, the Elite Eight. And then obviously Kelvin Sampson likely awaiting them before they go into the Final Four. So the path is becoming clearer. I think it got a little easier without Tennessee. And I think the, uh, the March Madness gods repaid Oklahoma State for getting screwed over by the committee. I kind of think they did too, and, and we might regret saying all this because Oregon State is on fire, and who knows? Maybe they come out tomorrow and they, they're just on fire against Oklahoma State. They do have a seven-footer, uh, Roman Silva, but it's it's not like the, the kids you're going to see from Illinois. The Kofi kid from Illinois that averages 18 and 10 as a seven-footer, Roman Silva averages five and two as a seven-footer. So you can be a seven-footer and not be very skilled. Uh, I don't know if anybody remembers a guy by the name of Franz Stein at, at Oklahoma State way back in the day that's a throwback name uh and i might not I, uh was at the same house party as Franz Stein when i was in college he could lean his forehead against the doorway and the doorway was massive this was one of those I, big houses i bet he had some great party tricks uh where he just did things for being huge but you, mm -hmm. you know not all seven footers are Shaquille O'Neal who are going to, you know, back you down to the basket and turn around and dunk it every time. I think you got to worry about Oregon State getting hot from three. Yesterday against Tennessee, they went 10 of 21 from beyond the arc. I don't know what his name is, but they've got some, you know, mid-sized white kid, looks like Luke Kennard out of Duke that was just filling it up yesterday. Lefty, you can't miss him. White kid shoots at lefty. I, I promise he'll stick out to you. Um, he was lighting it up. I mean, they went 10 of 21 yesterday from beyond the arc, Carson. That's pretty oh. solid. Uh, this is not a team, though, that, that drives and gets to the free throw line a ton. They only shot 10 yesterday against Tennessee. So I think that's a spot where, again, Oklahoma State's going to be more athletic. Do what you did in the second half against Liberty. Get them in foul trouble early. Make them send you to the free throw line. Make your free throws and, and just really physically and athletically wear them out. 40 minutes pick your spots when you want to shoot threes and guard the perimeter because Oregon State is not going to beat Oklahoma State two at a time but if they go 10 of 21 from three all of a sudden it gets a little bit dicey so uh, I'm by no means automatically penciling Oklahoma State in as a win although I do like them in this matchup uh, Caden McFarland from Tulsa tweeted out the uh, opening lines and Oklahoma State opens as a five and a half point favorite. They closed as a seven point favorite against Liberty. So Vegas is saying that this game really is only about a point and a half closer than the Liberty game was uh, from that standpoint. So I like Oklahoma State to win and I like Oklahoma State to cover, but I don't think it will be comfortable throughout. I think it'll be a little back and forth. And, you know, I think Oklahoma State will do what they've done, which is win it late. Certainly. And, and Oregon State's got better athletes. So OSU just can't just completely overwhelm, you know, a team from the Pac-12 like they could a Liberty. And how about this? Maurice Kalou, does that name ring a bell? He was signed with Oklahoma State, was in Stillwater for a year, and then transferred to Oregon State. He's on their roster. 
scored 15 points against Colorado in the, in the Pac-12 tournament title game. Uh, he doesn't play much, plays about 15 minutes a game, but that's an interesting uh, local storyline there. Maurice Kalu, Maurice Kalu is playing for Oregon State now to get to crack at his former coach, Mike Boynton. That's interesting. Yeah, that definitely is. I, I muted myself. I, I was unmuted and I muted myself right as I went to talk. That's a genius move. Um, yeah, that is. It, it's cool whenever stuff like that ties together. Uh, now, he's probably going to be going up home upset tomorrow. Very disappointed. So, I feel bad for him in that standpoint. So, my, I almost feel like I'm being too cocky going into tomorrow's game. I feel good. You, you calm down. First tournament win in, you know, 11, 12 years, you're, 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 you're feeling yourself. I need to take a step back. I'm feeling way too good. It's just – from a style standpoint, I was so worried about Liberty, even though I thought Oklahoma State would win. I, I'm not as worried about Oregon State, and maybe that's a uh, a fallacy on my end, but we'll see how it goes tomorrow. <laughs> also, how about the tip time? 8.40 tip time, the absolute last game of the day on a Sunday night. So you're getting those late, night. late, late eyes on a Sunday night. Hell, the East Coast is going to be asleep by halftime. It's going to be like 10.45 at halftime for those East Coast people. Yeah, I thought, you know, with K, the Cade factor, maybe that's – they want people watching late into the night. That's why they put yeah. Cade and OSU there. Yeah, that's um, uh, Speaking real quick, well, I want to get to buckets and bricks, but real quick, Colby. <laughs> speaking of the line, you know, the line started at nine against Liberty and dropped down to seven. OSU wins by nine, and that was their largest lead of the game. So if you had bet on Liberty, that was a that was a really bad beat. They they really got there about as late as you could get there. So that yeah. was uh, interesting. Friends in Vegas were watching that closely. And not only that, but if you watched to triple zeros, a lot of people had let Liberty between like the seven and a half and eight and a half range. And at the very end of the game, they get a wide open three. It's a brick, but Oklahoma State, I mean, the game's over. Oklahoma State's not boxing out. They're not risking getting a foul or doing anything silly. And the big man for Liberty runs the floor and has a wide open put back layup as time expires. He got it off in time. It would have counted. It was a wide open bunny layup. <laughs> and he threw it too hard off the backboard and bricked it. And I could just envision all the uh, Liberty betters out in Vegas in the sports books dropping to their knees, head in hands, because he had the cover right there. And that's why you should always know what the spread is going into a game, because even if the game is over, there's still a little bit of entertainment value at the end, even if you don't have money on it. I didn't have money on it. I don't bet on Oklahoma State. That's just a rule. Don't bet on your favorite team. It's a losing proposition. Uh, yeah. But that was that was fun. a fun ending yesterday for the spread. Yeah, I mean, if you've never been to Vegas during March Madness, it's absolutely incredible. The sports books, every single basket and point is cheered by whoever has money on whichever team. So literally anytime there's a point scored, the sports book is like erupting. It's It's fantastic. I suggest anyone go out there at some point in their lives for, for March Madness. I did that a few years, or probably about 10 years ago. I was in college, and it was it was a great time. So Yeah, bucket we'll list, like, sure. Yeah, it's awesome. Get your bucket list. Let's get to uh, buckets and bricks. Speaking of buckets, uh, this is where we give out our positive and negative uh, uh, awards, helmet stickers. I don't know what to call it, but we're, we're calling it buckets and bricks. And I'll start with my my bucket. Again, I want to give it to Avery Anderson. I want to give it to Kate Cunningham. They're the two best players on this team. But I really thought M.A. Moncrief lifted them up in the second half when, when Cunningham and Anderson were kind of AWOL. Likely as well, kind of they played a little two-man game there inside, inside the paint. I thought just M.A. Moncrief's energy on the offensive glass, his length defensively, the way he battled inside, I thought really changed the entire complexity of that basketball game. And I think he was obviously a very highly talented recruit coming in with, with Cade Cunningham out of Canada. And uh, we're starting to see the blue chipness come out of this guy. I mean, we're seeing the, the physical traits, the ability, the athleticism, really giving teams problems. And I hope that continues because I think he can, he can kind of be that guy, that presence on the inside, Colby, because Caleb Boone, just, again, a little bit, a little bit AWOL. I, I think his, his offensive game, I thought, was needed there in the first half, and he just – He's not very involved. I mean, he, he, he'll, take, he'll shoot about four to six shots a game, and that's, that's about it. So they're going to need Moncrief inside to, to really swing some games. I thought he was great. Yeah, he absolutely was. That's a good one. Carson, I got to give a bucket to O-R-U. 
with the big win 15 <laughs> over a two midcore max letting it rain from everywhere or, or you have two guys combined for like 59 points or something ridiculous and everybody else just tossed in like two or three and they beat ohio state it was a monster monster win for ORU and now they play a Florida team that's all right but they're not a world beater at all I mean if ORU starts lighting it up again from three they could absolutely beat Florida I would love 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 to see ORU in the sweet 16 it was so cool watching them take down Ohio State yesterday uh yeah I'm sure it busted your bracket busted mine too I had Ohio State in the elite eight who cares it was awesome uh so ORU gets a major bucket for what they did to Ohio State yesterday I think I only had Ohio State in the Sweet 16. I'm just not, not a believer. And again, that's that's my that leads perfectly into my brick, Colby. Oh, I, I know what's coming. Perfectly, perfect segue. It's like it's like you can read my mind. We've done this podcast so long now. All I was told while watching the tournament selection show, all the talking heads, all the national writers is. The Big Ten, man. It's the best conference in the country by far. They invented the sport of basketball is what I was led to believe. And they stink just like they do in football. Besides Ohio State, that conference is horrible in football. Bad. The forward pass is an unknown concept in that conference. And so the basketball conference... Illinois is really good. I picked them to go to the Final Four. They're awesome. They're basically the Ohio State in this example. But Purdue, see ya. They lose in the first round just about every year with a top five seed. No surprise there. Uh, Don't ever pick Purdue to go far in your bracket, even though they get great draws every year and still can't do anything with it. And then Ohio State loses to a 15 seed in in ORU. And ORU, they they were awesome. I love love a lot of those guys on that team, the way they're fearless and, and putting it up. But when can we stop this insanity that the Big Ten invented football and basketball? The Big Ten hasn't won a national championship in basketball since 2000. Guys, two decades. Stop it. Illinois is great. We all know that. Michigan, I think they're going to lose early too. So don't, don't tell me Michigan's great either. Ohio State, Purdue, Big Ten stinks. Big brick for the Big Ten. And again, put some respect on the Big 12's name. Again, I'm tired of hearing about the Big Ten. It's, it's ridiculous. I love every bit of that brick. That is a good one. The Big Ten isn't the Big Ten. They couldn't play in the Big 12. They couldn't play in the Big 12. They wouldn't make it. They wouldn't survive. They'd get beaten and battered and bruised all throughout the year. You think it, Iowa? You think Iowa would want any part of Kate Cunningham and M.A. Moncrief? You think you think they get the athletes to put up with that? Iowa would be about a six or seven seed if they had played in the Big 12. They're they're a two seed coming out yeah. of the Big Ten. It's sure. just. The Big 12 is so much better than the Big 10. It's laughable, and that's that's proving itself in the tournament. We saw what Ohio State did yesterday. We saw what Purdue did yesterday. So I love that one. Carson, I have to give my brick. And, and I, I was planning on going a different direction, but then I saw this. If you are the type of scumbag who threatens a collegiate athlete, th- then you get my brick. And, and I'm, of course, referencing Ohio State fans. EJ Liddell for Ohio State has gotten so many threats and they've been so overboard that the Ohio State University Police, the Ohio State University Police, are now involved with the threats against EJ Liddell. I mean, you are the absolute scum of the earth if what I'm sure is already the worst day of EJ Liddell's life. I mean, he's he's a star and they lose to a 15 seed. I'm sure he's not having a great day. And you're going to get on social media and threaten him and threaten his family and, and go at him like that. I just... I can't understand those people. I don't know what goes through their mind. I, I don't know why they think that, uh, that that sports are so important that you should threaten death to, to a person and their family. And it, it wouldn't be okay to do it pro- to pro- a professional athlete either. But, I mean, these are unpaid student athletes who are, are giving it all they've got. I promise you they're giving it all they've got in the NCAA tournament. I promise that it means more to the players than it means to you. So I just have to give a huge brick to any scumbag fan who has ever taken to social media and threatened a player based on their performance in a game that is just the lowest of the low i think you should have to go to prison for a year if you threaten to kill someone on social media i think that's that's probably the least there needs to be something 
There needs to be something. There, there are no repercussions for getting on, on Twitter and telling a student athlete that you're going to come find him and kill him and his entire family. How, how are there no repercussions for that? That is not okay, and it is something that we need to weed out of our society. Yeah, I mean, if you if you make a bomb threat, you get prosecuted and thrown in prison. I mean, I I think the same thing. I mean, you're it's it's absurd. It, it it's an example of how social media can be can be bad. Social media can be great. It can bring people together, but it, it's it can also show the worst side of humanity. So I think that's a good one. I got, I got one more bonus uh, bucket here. I need, I meant to mention this. Uh, Steve Berkowitz tweeted out. Oklahoma State's win over Liberty in the first round would give Mike Boynton a $50,000 bonus, but the school has said he is declining bonuses for this season due to the pandemic-related pay reductions. This has saved the school $100,000 in bonus pay so far. I don't know how many coaches in any sport as greedy as coaches can be with their contracts. Uh, I don't know how many coaches in any sport would do something like this, Colby. I think that's just another, just yet another example of how much Mike Boynton gets it and just what good of a, a duty is and what a great representative he is for OSU. Yeah, and not only that, I, I mean, Mike Boynton's the lowest paid coach in the conference. He's one of the lowest paid coaches in the Power Five. I think he makes somewhere between like five and 600K a year. So he's forfeited now somewhere between about 15 and 20% of his annual salary. And I know I'm sure there's somebody out there thinking, oh yeah, he makes a ton of money, big deal, gives up 100K. I, I'm sorry, it's a big deal that he's given up. 100k being one of the lowest paid coaches in the country and I, obviously you don't want to forecast too much because Oklahoma State needs to open the checkbook for Mike Boynton but maybe this further illustrates that Mike Boynton he he is the man that we think he is there are more important things that, I mean he posts constantly about his faith he's all about team he's all about the process he, he genuinely seems like he loves being here and and maybe it's not just all about the money for Mike Boynton. You want him to be paid. You want it to be fair. But I think he's happy at Oklahoma State. And I think that the marriage between Oklahoma State and Mike Boynton is going to be a long-lasting one. And I just – when I saw that yesterday, I was, I'm like, you know what? That's that's our coach. That's our guy. That's, that's somebody to be proud of. So uh, it, it's a good time to be an Oklahoma State basketball fan because Mike Boynton is – I mean, he's doing everything exactly the right way. Yep, he really is. So – uh, just yeah, another example. He's just and again, I think OSU will make this up to him, Colby, with his new contract. He's probably going to sign as soon as the tournament's over. So I think, I think so. he's going to get the money he's owed uh, one way or another. Uh, before we get out of here, Colby, though, it's there's also the NCAA wrestling tournament going on. The finals are tonight and two Oklahoma State Cowboys are wrestling for individual national championships. OSU sits in third in the team standings, which, again, I think. According to Seth Duckworth, who does an incredible job covering wrestling in the state uh, for pistols firing as well, uh, he's basically made it sound like OSU did an incredible job just to get up to third with some of the stuff they've been dealing with this year, roster-wise. And again, Dayton Fix gets to wrestle for a national championship, gets some redemption here after he got he got hosed like a, a bad block charge call last year with his, the headgear situation in the, in the finals. And uh, my man AJ Ferrari, who I want to talk extensively about. At 197 pounds is a true freshman and he's wrestling for the individual national championship so two cowboys going for a natty uh, tonight colby yeah and aj ferrari is not only a true freshman he's a true cowboy here's aj ferrari last night signing off on the mic on espn you got them all let's win a national title baby go cowboys Six <laughs> 665 deadlift sorry 665 is what he deadlifts that's what he said in the start of the interview he's like 665 that's insanity. True cowboy, true freshman. Love so, AJ Ferrari. But I saw a tweet yesterday. Somebody said he, he had to wrestle against an Olympian and he threw him to the ground like a rag doll. True freshman, baby. Yes. Like that's that's what's crazy is you know, Seth Duckworth tweeted this out too. It's hard to overstate how impressive Ferrari what Ferrari just did is. He just completely manhandled an Olympian that hadn't lost a wrestling match since 2019. And A.J. Ferrari, again, is a true freshman. So he wins. He advances to the finals over the number one seed. And he begins to cut just an incredible NCAA promo. Hang I mean, this guy's going to win, like, the WWE world title before he's done, Colby. And, again, I, he cuts an incredible promo. That was just the ending of it about 
But, I mean, the fact that he's a true freshman, he can become just the third OSU wrestler. And, and think about this, Colby. How many wrestlers Oklahoma State's had? I think they've had over 142 national champions individually. He could become just the third true freshman to win the individual national title of the for Oklahoma State. He would join Pat Smith in 1990 and another guy from the 40s. And, I, I, again, someone tweeted me that, I guess there were rules where freshmen couldn't win certain years, but I mean, one of the guys won it in 1947. So I, I thought that Richard Hutton was who won it in 1947. So I know the rules have changed a little bit, but again, since 1990, nobody's done it at least, and he'd be the third ever to do it. So while he's entertaining, while he, while I want to watch a Netflix series on the Ferrari family with his dad Albert and his mom and all his siblings, I think that would be incredible viewing. All that aside. This guy has an ability to be one of the best to ever do it. So I was texting a buddy of mine who wrestled in high school. He and I used to go to all the wrestling duels at OSU. He knows more about this than, than anyone I know. He said that Ferrari wins the, the title tonight in the finals. He won't lose the rest of his career. That, that's how good he thinks he is. And, and again, Colby, he'd be the first five-time champ because he gets an extra year. This year doesn't count. So he could be a five-time NCAA champion, which obviously has never been done. Yeah, that's I didn't even think about that. That's crazy. Uh, some technical difficulties on your audio. I don't think it came through. It didn't come through on my end, but I, I know that A.J. Ferrari, whenever Oklahoma State recruited him and whenever he committed, I remember what a big deal that was for Oklahoma State wrestling. Like, oh, they're, they're getting this kid? Like, this kid is different. And I'm like, okay, he's a highly recruited wrestler. Like, if he's out here as a true freshman throwing Olympians around, put, putting them on the mat like it's nothing, I uh, – and, and apparently whoever he's wrestling tonight, I, I can't even remember which kid he's wrestling tonight. Let's see, Nino, Nino something from Pitt. Okay, and apparently that kid is the real deal too and, uh, and, and wants all the smoke. So it's going to be a good one, and I hope he brings it home because true freshman, individual national champion, that's got a nice ring to it. And I'll tell you what, five-time national champion – has a, has a pretty nice ring to it. So um, it's annoying that Iowa and Penn State have basically monopolized college wrestling. That's supposed to be Oklahoma State's job. I don't like that Iowa has taken the throne. So hopefully Oklahoma State can take it back at some point. Uh, but it's nice for Ferrari and uh, and my blanket on the other kid's name. Remind me of the other kid's name, Carson. Dayton Fix. Dayton Fix, yes. Just right on the tip of my tongue. So uh, hopefully Dayton Fix and A.J. Ferrari can both bring home individual national champions for Oklahoma State wrestling. Was my mic messing up? What'd you miss? I, don't, I, I didn't hear the Ferrari audio. It didn't come through. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Weird. I don't know. So it was, you, it was you played mumbled, the best part. But it was mumbled in the background, but we got him saying he's a cowboy. Go Cowboys. So. Okay. Gotcha. So, yeah, that'll be, that'll be fun to watch. Uh, obviously, Oklahoma State, a late, late game on Sunday night against Oregon State with a spot in the Sweet 16. It's a great time of the year, Colby. Uh, we got March Madness. We got March Madness with the wrestling and uh, baseball is underway. So, it's going to be fun to watch this Cowboy basketball team, see how far they can progress. But, uh, Colby, I'm glad I got to be with you here on Saturday. We had, to, we had to tape after the game, obviously, and we'll get back with you on Monday, hopefully talking about the Sweet 16, something OSU hasn't done since 2004, if you can believe that. So, was, so. was the last time they made the Sweet 16, it was the Final Four run? That's wild. Had to, had to be, right? Yeah, because they only yeah, won once wild. in 09. Yeah, that so was – been a long time yeah. coming. Long time ago. Hopefully, uh, we'll be back Monday previewing a Sweet 16 matchup with Illinois. And, uh, man, that would just be so, so much fun. Got to take care of business against the Beavers. So, OSU versus OSU, let's, uh, let's reign supreme tomorrow night. Yep, I'm picking OSU to win and cover as well. I would like a 40-burger out of Cade Cunningham. That'd make Ooh. me feel great. That'd make me feel a little more comfortable about the, the covering. But uh, may not have, may not be a 40-burger, but uh, I fully expect Oklahoma State to take care of business. And, I just got a tweet from a guy named Jared Roll, who, who just, all he tweeted was a picture of Rick Vaughn asking for Parkman. He says, I want Underwood. Yes. He wants Underwood. Yeah. I yeah. want Parkman. I want Underwood. I, got, I, mean, I don't know if we want Underwood or not, Colby, but we'll worry about that when we get there. Yeah, I don't know if they do or not, but we 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 want to see it. It, yep. it, it. Win or lose, it needs to happen. So uh, I like Oklahoma State to win. I like them to get closer to 80. I'll say 78. Uh, man, I, I should give Oregon State more credit, but I'm not going to. I'm going to say 78 to 67 Oklahoma State wins tomorrow. I'll go 11-point margin of victory, and uh, hopefully they cruise into the Sweet 16. Yeah, I would like to see that as well. I'll, I'll just pick up the cover. I don't have a score, but I, I just want – all I want, Colby, is Mike Holder sitting at midcourt in like an orange blazer, just staring at Underwood the entire game. Just, I, I, just, I need that in my life. Yes. So, 
Hopefully that happens. Colby, we'll uh, we'll talk on Monday. Yep, Sweet 16 bound. Let's hope. Go Pokes.